Y'all, we appreciate Samuel Merritt University so much for continuing to help keep this podcast going. They want us to tell you about their new Advance Your Practice Scholarship. They're offering a $10,000 scholarship to anyone who enrolls in their MSN, DNP, or Family Nurse Practitioner programs. Samuel Merritt University has been educating nurses for over 100 years. If you're interested in getting more information about the programs, you can visit them at fnp.samuelmerritt.edu and show them how much you appreciate them for sponsoring our podcast. That's fnp.samuelmerritt.edu. And as always, we'll put that link on our website at goodnursebadnurse.com. I also wanted to remind you that if you're interested in travel nursing, to go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there. And you can also see what they pay, the stipend, the hourly rate, all of that. I'm a travel nurse now with Trusted Health, and I absolutely love working for them. So go to trustedhealth.com, be sure and put forward slash good nurse so that they'll know that we sent you there and fill out a profile today. Hey everybody, this is Dina again with Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Welcome back for another episode of, you know, true crime and nursing and healthcare and just all kinds of, let me just say upfront chit chat. So if you don't like that, you might as well jump ship right now. This is a chit chat podcast and it's going to always be a chit chat podcast. We do talk true crime. We tell true crime stories. We talk about nursing stuff because I'm a nurse and usually most of my guests are nurses. And so we mix that in there too. That's what this is about. It's called Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. So glad to have you along. And today my guest host is none other than Tom from the We'll Continue to Monitor podcast. Hello, Tom. Hello, Miss Tina. Where is your cohort? Now, Tom is half of this equation. There is a big, huge gap here in my screen. I don't know what's happening, but there's a missing person. His name is Ben, because this is not Tom We'll continue with we'll continue to monitor. It's Tom and Ben. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed Where's to be ben? Tom and Ben. Well, Ben is, you know, we, we've actually talked about Ben multiple times on the show. He's just such a great guy. He's big on Easter. It, it may be his favorite holiday. Who knows? But he decided that he just had to spread the word. And Easter baskets, obviously, it's Easter. We're recording on Easter. So he is actually handing them out to penguins and orphans in Antarctica. I know. Oh my goodness! Yeah, who knew there was that many on Antarctica? But orphaned pen or orphaned penguins. Yes, I would never I, have thought. Who knew? But that's the type of guy he is. He found that it really. Yeah, he found that niche that nobody else was really taking care of, and he said, "I have got to help spread Easter joy." Well, he saw a need and he filled it. And that's, that's what we all should be. Doing. That's what Ben does. So, in the spirit of Ben, <laughs> I I just hope every orphaned penguin out there is having a great day is what I'm really hoping for. So Well, we are going to miss Ben for being here. Normally he would be here, but he couldn't be here for this particular episode. But glad to have you. So happy to always have you on the podcast. Well, I'm glad to be here. So we do have a really interesting bad nurse story. It's a tragic, shocking story that is going just one after another as you're, Tom and I were kind of going through the notes before. We, I, I was like to kind of read through them with my co-host before. And even though I already knew the story, had done research on the story, watched shows and everything, I still could not help myself from being shocked 
with every sentence. Just, you're not going to believe this woman. But anyway, before we get started with the actual show, I did want to remind you guys of a couple of things. Number one, there is the sentencing for the nurse who was convicted of ne- criminal, criminally negligent homicide and abuse of an impaired adult in Nashville. And so her sentencing is going to be on May the 13th in Nashville. And we are, we have organized basically a protest, for lack of a better word, rally, protest, whatever you want to call it, march. It's not really a march, but it's what we called it. Nurses from all over this country, uh, probably a thousand, definitely hundreds, if not over a thousand nurses are coming from all over this country. And they're going to be coming to the park that's right outside of the circuit court uh, building called Public Square Park there in Nashville. And so I invite you to go to Facebook and look under groups, search for Nurses March for Redonda Vought and ask to become a member. It is a private group. And so then you can see what's going on. There's over 11,000 people in that group that support the situation. We are basically protesting against the prosecution of all healthcare professionals for making a medical error while doing their job. That's what we're protesting against. So I wanted just to remind you guys of that. And also I'm going to be appearing uh, along with Jessica Seitz, Nurse Jessica Seitz, on the Nurse Blake NurseCon cruise next week. So that's going to be April 24th. And we're going to be doing a live podcast on the cruise in the Viking Crown Lounge. So if you happen to be hearing this before that, and you're on the cruise, please come by and see us. I'd love to see you come up and say hello. I would love to meet you guys. I always love meeting you guys. And also just come by the show there. Hopefully it's going to be fun. We're, we've got a really fun show planned. It's actually going to be something a little different from what we normally do. We're doing this sort of in the style of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and a weekend update. And we're doing sort of a nurses, dumbest criminals news show. And so it's, I think it's going to be fun. I'm going to say, if there's anything that you're an expert on, it is people making dumb mistakes while committing crimes and they're related to the medical field. So I know I've talked about them a lot, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like you've been researching this for years. I've been preparing for this for the past four years. This is the moment. I know. I'm so excited about it. It's going to be fun. So speaking of dumbest criminals and just absolutely shocking stories, I guess we can get started with this bad nurse story. Well, she's certainly a bad nurse, so. She certainly is. Yeah, she's a bad human being in just in general. This is the story of Diane Stout, and she was a nurse from Springfield, Missouri. She was married to Mark Stout, and he was a blues musician, and they had four children together. So she was really active in her local church. She was pretty much the breadwinner for the family. Her husband had would get have some side jobs, but I think he was kind of holding out for that, you know, big break in the music industry. And so he didn't contribute a whole lot to their household income, but he would just, you know, maybe have some side gigs or something related to the band. Well, if you think about it, when you start off with I'm a blues musician, doesn't really send a real positive vibe. They're not known for being happy. Like that's not the type of music the blues is. Oh, so, that's true. Yeah, so I'm just like, even if you're successful, 
like, man, you still probably led a rough life. I'm sorry. So, yeah, when when you start off with, I'm a blues musician, uh, not that I can speak correctly tonight, but uh, yeah, just, oh, yeah, that's going to be, I'm not imagining stable mansion, you mm. know, pool in the background when I hear that. I, I hear you. I see where you're going with that. Well, it just so happens, and this is a complete coincidence, I promise you guys, you're not going to, they're never going to believe this. They're not, but again. <laughs> They're not going to believe it, but it is a complete coincidence. But on Easter Sunday, Tom and I are recording this on Easter. You guys are like, why are they saying this? Because it's, this episode will come out Tuesday, and then people will be listening to this a month later. But we're recording it on Easter Sunday, and neither one of us could believe it when I was like, oh, it, it happened on Easter Sunday. Okay. 2012. Mark was 61 years old. And he died of what appeared to be natural causes. But, I mean, at 61, you would think they'd be able to tell what those natural causes. This is not like back in the 1776 where they died of natural causes. <laughs> and it's like, what is that? I don't. We didn't know what it was. So <laughs> we just said natural causes. <laughs> well, and again, you know, and you're about to talk about it here in a second. It sounds like he probably led a pretty rough life. And those around him, I would assume, knew that. So let's just assume just some minor drug and alcohol use times unhealthy lifestyle times 61 years. Maybe it's not quite as far off. Like I said, when you, when you sing the blues, I'm not anticipating a real healthy relationship with anything. So Tom is an advanced practice nurse. I don't know if we mentioned that at the beginning of the show. But, it's not um, important. I promise. It is because you... <laughs> I, I hear that you're from a provider. You're talking about this from a prov- I can hear that from a, someone who, like if he was your patient, you would not be surprised to see him coming into your office with some, maybe some things going on, some medical issues at the age of 61. Somebody who maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe he smoked, maybe he's, he drank, maybe he did have some illicit drug use. So you wouldn't be surprised at all for him to come in with, you know, diabetes and maybe heart failure, you know, cardiovascular all that stuff. No, and in the show notes, you know, when we were talking about it before, I mean, even those around him didn't really suspect much. So that just kind of confirms mm. to me like, oh, okay, yeah. This guy probably, you know, led a rough life. They did sort of attribute that to his un- unhealthy lifestyle. His bandmates thought they saw some bizarre behavior on the Friday night before this happened. And so they said that his skin looked sallow and his speech was slurred. And so he, when they found him after he passed, they discovered a ring of blood around his mouth. And that was according to the police reports. So, you know, that's just a bizarre, tragic death, but one that they kind of went, well, he wasn't in the best of health and that's, you know, really sad. And I guess they kind of moved on from there. They didn't, weren't really suspicious of anything. But then tragedy struck again five months later in the same family. And Sean Stott, who was the oldest son, and he also happened to be autistic, he was found dead after experiencing flu-like symptoms, and he also had a ring of blood around his mouth. So the autopsy report ruled that his death was due to pre-existing medical conditions because well, in addition to some other things, he had a seizure disorder. Yeah. And that's kind of, I don't know, I mean, a ring of blood. I I, I guess I'd want to see the report, but it's not terribly uncommon for people with seizure disorders to have some blood, at least in like their postictal state, if they bite down. So that's why I was like, I could have seen one or the other, 
My problem is, and I think you're about to get to it, is, wait a second, now we've had two people with similar, within a very close period of time. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a very strange coincidence. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we mentioned earlier that Diane, you know, was pretty active in their church, and her the pastor of their church was really troubled that there were now two members of his congregation who passed away with similar symptoms in a very short amount of time. So he was kind of suspecting something wasn't quite right. Maybe something, I don't know, dun, 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 sinister. So we love to use that word in the true crime podcasting world and all things like Dateline. You know, that's the word that they just use over and over and over again. But he went to the law, went to law enforcement and was like, hey, I don't know. To me, this doesn't seem, this seems like more than a coincidence. Something is not right here. So the Stott family was absolutely under law enforcement scrutiny. When the eldest daughter, Sarah, was rushed to the hospital in June of 2013, so a year later, just a year later, Diane took her daughter to the hospital when she started exhibiting signs of medical distress. Sarah was admitted to the ICU. She had a brain bleed and organ failure. Doctors suspected that poisoning was the cause of Sarah's condition. So while she's hospitalized, samples from Sean's autopsy were recovered and further testing revealed the presence of ethylene glycol, one of the raw components as Listeners of this podcast, longtime listeners of this podcast are probably going, antifreeze, because we've talked about it so many times. Yes, one of the raw components of antifreeze is ethylene glycol. It's not a typical part of a normal toxicology screening and requires a specific test to, in order for it to be detected. I would be willing to bet a couple things. First, that this preacher knew more than that than we have heard from the story. Now what he had may be privileged information as a religious leader, so you may never ever hear what it is. But if he was astute enough to be, you know, his flock obviously felt like they could come to him. And I have a feeling somebody said, "Hey, I think maybe something is going on. Maybe they heard something regardless." Because for him to come to the the police, I think they absolutely would accept that information. But when you hear the words, they dug up the body to get more samples, that's a warrant. Like, no judge is signing off on that because a guy thinks. So there was definitely some evidence that was identifiable or that was beyond any doubt, I think, that led to this. So I think that's really interesting. And I think it's one of those pieces we're never going to hear, but really made a huge difference in this case. Yeah, and maybe just him being around the family, even if there wasn't a outright confession of something or, you know, just observing behaviors or things that maybe Diane had said, that there was a lot of unhappiness maybe within that family. And then all of a sudden, you know, family members start getting sick. That would raise some red flags for sure. And in a case like this, again, it is very important, and I, I 100% believe that the police would take that information in and say, okay, what can we do with it? But there is legal boundaries. And so that's why I'm saying I really think there was some very identifiable information he was able to give them that was concrete, and they could you know, put it 
as evidence. And that is what likely led to this lady being caught. And so I'm glad whatever it is he found, he did. The second thing I would point out is, you know, we talked about the 61-year-old male blues, you know, singer. He had all these symptoms and they contributed, you know, to his lifestyle. And then the child, you know, had some, you know, seizure disorders. I can kind of see the blood on the mouth, but now that we've had three people with similar symptoms. There's no way. Yeah. And so one of the reasons I looked into it a little bit, cause I'm not a specialist on ethylene glycol, but what it can do is it can inflame your membranes when it's poison or you're toxic. So that's probably where that blood is coming from. And that's why somebody started going, Hey, this has to be some kind of adulteration because we're getting all these symptoms and it would be related to something toxic. And so then the police could go, well, if this girl had it and that's what they have on the girl that's alive, plus the preacher's evidence, that's probably how they got the warrant to go get those more samples. So I think that's really how those types of things work. Unfortunately, people think TV, I just tell the cops they can just go get a warrant. No, unfortunately we can't. But when you have that information, plus with the daughter that's alive at that time in the ICU, I think that's how they could build that case. Something else I didn't tell you at the beginning of the podcast is Thomas also used to be a police officer. So we also get that insight from him. That's why I always love having him on here because he always has this great insight from kind of both worlds. So it's really nice. I'm pretty sure the police aren't just sitting around going, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is all just an accident. And then the, the pastor comes up to them and they're like, oh, really? Okay, we'll investigate. I'm pretty sure everybody around was going, this is something's wrong here, you know, and they were probably just taking their time building a case and trying to, I mean, I'm not the first death, but once that second one and then the third one, I mean, come on. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I think even the, the second one, I would almost bet you it was 50, 50. They're like, well, something's weird, but is weird enough. And usually no, you have to give people, you know, they have constitutionally protected rights just because I think you're weird does not mean, you know, as a police officer, they could do something. Yeah, but I can see that. And the child did have some medical issues. Yes, so correct. But again, there are specific things we're looking for. The toxicology reports on, you know, when they arrived, what condition their body was in. And then all of a sudden you start going, well, wait a second. Those are also symptoms of what other things, and then you start compiling that list. So, yeah, I think that's really how it all came around. It is also interesting that preacher note stuck out to me. Like, he said something. Now, what he said, we'll never know. So, investigators brought in Diane and her daughter, Rachel, for questioning. So, she had four children, and one of them, of course, has passed away. One of them is sick and in the hospital. And so, there's another one. There's a younger one. And so, there's, and then there's Rachel. She, they brought in both of them for questioning. Diane admitted to using antifreeze to poison her family members. She said that she obtained anti this antifreeze online that didn't have the bittering agent. So, Tom, I don't understand. Why can you even buy this stuff? Why would you need to buy antifreeze that doesn't have the, ta the bitter taste to it? Well, if you're planning uh. someone's murder... Maybe mm -hmm. murder, yes. some kind of uh -huh. murder supply store is out there somewhere online. I don't know. Realistically, there's got to be some kind of chemical composition reason why they can't have that bittering agent. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I know like it was invented for a reason. And yet here we are like, hey, this stuff's dangerous. Isn't it kind of blue tinted? Blue? Usually it's like a green 
or green, green. So some, you know, if it, and it, I think it maybe tastes sort of sweet if I remember from past episodes. Antifreeze itself, that bittering. The chemical additives that you use to make antifreeze itself do have a mm-hmm. very sickeningly sweet taste to them. Mm-hmm. It's this chemical component that they specifically put in it to make it bitter. Usually that's also some of the dye issues because they do the same thing with rat poisons. So in case animals or children get into it, it dyes their mouth green. So it's really identifiable that you can so tell. So you're like, oh, we know yeah. what you got into. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, it's hard for me to understand why anybody would need that. But. <laughs> well, I would bet, again, I've never looked for it. I would bet though that it's under a specialty issue. Like if you have surgical equipment that can't have additives or some kind of industrial reason is what I would assume that was for. And she was able to find it. Wow. But that's, that's that is pure speculation because otherwise it's completely made for animal and human safety. So I can't imagine that there's any animal or human use because <laughs> it's poisonous already. So, yeah, I, I just I don't know. You would think that there would be some kind of restriction. Like you have to show some ID and promise not to kill people with it. Like, I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, else, you would think but. so. But she, and she clearly thinks she's so sli- sly by purchasing this, and she slipped it into her husband and her son's drinks so that they would drink it and it would be undetectable. But she's not smart enough to understand that they're going to be able to see that you bought this. Yeah. Leaving a paper trail is one of the most classic, I especially in today's digital age. And honestly, I've been out of law enforcement long enough that I know that there is so much new technology used but i can tell you just from what i know it is incredible how many fingerprints you leave digitally everywhere you go with your cell phone whatever so if someone is under the assumption that there is an easy or foolproof way to do something without leaving a mark they are incorrect it's really probably almost impossible at this point i I would assume so i keep trying to tell people And I know this happened, honestly, I I really should say this happened before I started my podcast. So I I should probably go a little bit easier on her because I say it all the time. There's really no excuse. I've warned you people, you will get caught if you try to do something like this. So stop. But this did happen pre-2018. Oh, well, I guess that's the one thing she has on her side is she didn't know Other than being a decent human being, you know, wouldn't do that. But if she had heard this podcast plus that, she would have never. She would have known. I mean, I can't make you grow a conscience and have integrity and be a decent human being, but I can at least say, if you're a horrible person, a horrible evil person that likes to do horrible things to people for your own pleasure or your own monetary gain or whatever, you're going to get caught. So just don't do it. That's my. That's the moral of the story. Welcome, Leah. I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about your experience with CBD Stat. Which product do you actually use? So there's four products, the roll-on, the cream, the salve, and the oil. The two that I use every day are the cream and the oil. What is your biggest benefit? How does it help you? The cream I put on every day after work. I'll shower and then I'll put it on my feet just to help my arches. No more shin splints, just my feet feel more comfortable. And the cream has been a lifesaver there. And then I use the oil to help me sleep. So I just switched jobs. I had been working nights for the last eight years. So the oil was huge on helping me come home and actually get quality of sleep throughout the day. And I wake up feeling well-rested and not groggy like some other medications have made me feel in the past. I didn't realize that about the feet. And 
I have plantar fasciitis, so now I literally cannot wait to get off here and go try that. And then just the sleep benefit, that one is definitely well known. I hear that a lot in the feedback that I've gotten. As you guys know, their products are 100% THC-free. CBD Stat has a team of engineers that invented a very unique and efficient process to produce CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. They only offer very strong products, greater than a thousand milligrams. If you guys are interested in CBD stat in their product, you can go to cbdstat.care forward slash goodnursebadnurse. Be sure and put the forward slash goodnursebadnurse in there so they know that we sent you there. cbdstat.care, be sure and put .care instead of .com forward slash goodnursebadnurse. So I have to tell you guys about an experience I had with a nursing student. So you know I've been doing travel nursing. Well, this hospital where I'm at has a lot of LPN students doing their clinicals there. So one of them was following me around one day and she noticed my stethoscope. And of course, y'all know the Echo Technology Company that sponsors our podcast. They teamed up with Littman to make the stethoscopes, to beat all stethoscopes, the 3M Littman Core Digital Stethoscope. And this is the one that I use now. So she said, oh my gosh, I've been wanting to try one of those. So of course I let her use it. And she just could not stop talking about it for the rest of the shift. It was so cute. She was like, you know, I can't hear anything with my normal stethoscope because I have tinnitus. And so she was so excited because she could actually hear what heart sounds were supposed to sound like. She said, I'm going to ask for one of these for graduation. And I was like, yeah, you definitely should. So just so you know, the echo technology that makes the stethoscope so amazing. Um, you can enable it with a flip of a switch. You can turn it on and off. It has active noise cancellation up to 40 times amplification, wireless auscultation using Bluetooth technology. It connects with Echo's free app and software so that you can visualize, record, share, live stream, analyze heart sounds, lung sounds, and whatever body sounds you want to listen to. So you can go to echohealth.com and use the promo code GNBN to get 10% off your order. And that's Echo is spelled E-K-O, by the way. So it's echohealth.com and use the GNBN promo code to get 10% off your order. So when investigators asked her why she didn't take her husband to the hospital, she said that she hated his guts. She said that she had just had enough. She was tired of him not having steady employment. And so then they asked about, what about your son? Sean. She said anything she did, he always interfered. And she called him more than a bother, more than a pest. Her son. Yeah. You know, I am married. And I can say this with all the confidence in the world of a person that has been married for several years, is there are times where you love your significant other, but you may not like your significant other. Like, that's just a thing. That's any relationship. And marriage is no different. To say that about your husband, I, I still don't think that murder, you know, was the correct way. You know, there's divorce and there's separation. There's other things they could have done. But to be mad at another adult that you're in a relationship with, I actually understand. Again, not murder level, but I get it. Your own child, though, especially a special needs child. Uh, to me, it went from, okay, she lost her mind, you know, to I think there is something – inherently wrong with her mentally. Like I I just, to be able to do that to your own child, not that it was any better for any of the other children to just be, Oh, he was a bother. Well, and then the child that got sick and they had to rush to the hospital is, you know, was in intensive care. Sarah, Sarah was living with her parents after she got her undergrad degree 
and apparently work prospects were kind of bleak and student loans were coming due. And Diane was assisting her daughter with payments on the loans. And she didn't like that she was having to help with all of that financially. Why can't you just say, hey, it's time for you to move on. I can't afford this, whatever. It's crazy. And then she said her she said that her daughter was nosy and argumentative with her brother. Well, that's every sibling. This woman is, I, I, it's really hard for me. Like, So your daughter, your grown daughter, who has a bachelor degree, is living in your house. You are helping her pay her student loans. And rather than just kicking her out of the house and saying, I'm sorry, you're going to have to fend for yourself. I can't do this anymore. You're going to kill her. That does not compute at one bit. My brain is having a really hard time putting this together. Well, not only that, but the daughter did go to school. She got her undergraduate degree. Even if the prospects were bleak, this is clearly a person that has at least some moderate drive, discipline, and ability to get things done. I mean, they don't just hand out bachelors. So I'm just saying this young lady has shown all the promise that the mother could possibly ask. And instead of saying, let's figure out how to get you forwards, said, I will just murder you instead of just supporting her. And again, I understand 100% what you're saying. You know, if my child was an adult and we're in that spot, maybe that's that conversation we have to have. But as you saw how she treated her son, he was a bother. Clearly a bother to her does not signify that motherly instinct to help. Yeah, but why even pay her student loan? I don't, it's so hard for me to understand why you are compelled to pay her student loans. You don't have to do that. Does she have to do that? No. And as a matter of fact, I would assume the last time I looked at stuff for student loans, if you are completely without job, there are programs that make it so you don't have to repay until you have a job. So again, a lot of this doesn't make sense. I really think that this lady was sick and really she had some kind of compulsion where she decided she was going to murder her family and she just wanted to find an excuse to do it. I just, because honestly, I, I don't see really a lot of other explanation. Not that you're going to get a rational one with a person that murders their family, but it certainly doesn't seem to make any sense. It doesn't. You know, I mentioned Rachel was also brought in for questioning her other daughter. And she initially claimed that she wasn't involved in the murders of her father and her brother or the attempted murder of her sister, Sarah. But the police found some very condemning evidence hidden in her closet, her diary. Again, I, I'm telling you, I'm going to write a book of the things to, for you people to stop doing. Number one, stop going camping. Okay, stop that. Number two, stop parking beside vans. Stop it. Stop <laughs> yeah. driving vans. Number vans three, are suspicious. Yeah. stay off ladders and motorcycles. And then number four, stop writing everything in your diaries. What is wrong with you people? Stop it. Well, not just diaries. I've done several stories with you so far, and I am pretty sure every one of them involves the police finding written evidence of the crime in some way. So not that, hey, not that I really want anybody to get away with a crime. I'm just saying, come on. It's At this point, if you leave behind written evidence, it's you're kind of asking to get caught. We've had people that wrote checklists 
for crying out loud, <laughs> checklists. <laughs> yeah, that's that is what we call not good for you in the legal sense. <laughs> if we find yes. a checklist for the crime, and they have shopping lists, and guess where they're going? Home Depot, Lowe's, and Walmart, where there are security cameras, and they will be on the security cameras. Which brings me to number five. Stop going to Home Depot, Lowe's, and Walmart. It is not their fault. This is terrible publicity for these stores. Yeah, this is, this is yeah, it is kind of funny, though. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I've heard all of this multiple times. And yet here we are, you know, talk about it again. But I, I really have found through my career when I was in law enforcement, you could literally give the bad guys the playbook. You could literally give them, this is all the things I can do. These are all the things I'm going to do to try and catch you, which actually, by the way, is published. Like that's that information is usually generally open to the public and, and we still catch them because, well, they're doing bad guy stuff and they don't have time to read, you know, the rules. And so, yeah, that's it's kind of funny that you said that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can't tell you how many times Walmart security cameras gave a lot of great evidence of yep. people doing stuff like it was a right lot. there. Yeah, literally right there, and they're just strolling along like they're just there to buy milk and eggs. It's just and, and they're picking glycol. up duct tape. <laughs> yeah, duck, yes, yeah. I never found out what all the spatulas were for, but yeah, they definitely <laughs> had duct tape and all that other stuff. But yeah, <laughs> the diaries definitely betrayed Rachel and revealed she was absolutely involved uh, in the murder plots, and. They, of course, confront her with this. And Rachel decided, oh, I take back what I said. I actually did. I want to confess. I want to give a a confession of my own volition. (laughs) I changed. I have a change of heart. And I decided I want to tell the truth. No, they literally have your words written in a book in your closet, in your room, in your house. So that's your confession right here. You're just, you got caught, right? Having been in the room, you can actually physically see the person kind of deflate when you hand them that. They're just like, like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, there's, like I said, it's a physical reaction. You can just watch them kind of go down. And you're like, yeah, All this the is the part. Yeah, this is the part where you know your life is over as you know it. And again, I would assume, again, a lot of assumption tonight on my part, but I would also assume that they probably said, well, since we have you on written evidence, this might be the time you want to consider talking to us about your mother for if you want any sort of deal. So, I mean, it worked. Yeah, it did. Rachel was the favorite child. You know, these people always have a favorite, you know, it's so disgusting. But Rachel was the favorite. And according to the diary entries, she thought that her younger sister would be spared and wouldn't be poisoned. She wrote, quote, only the quiet ones would remain. Diane, however, later revealed that she planned on issuing her youngest daughter an antifreeze cocktail due to her having a learning disability and that Rachel would, quote, not be able to take care of her. So this woman, if you had anything out of the ordinary, any kind of characteristic at all that said, you know, that somehow made you different, I don't know, I don't want to say abnormal or anything like that. You're just different. Everybody's different. Because she apparently was perfect, right? She must have been. (laughs) Well, she felt that way. I hope we're studying this woman because she's literally the only human being that I know of that's walked this earth that I I mean, other than Jesus himself that I've ever heard of as being perfect, but she must have been. Well, I would be really scared if I was Rachel. Maybe Rachel needs to do some deep thinking because uh, Mama is apparently okay with often everybody. 
Yeah. And why do you think that she's not going to, once you, you help her get rid of the other people, then that leaves you and you're going to, she's going to want to get rid of you so that she can then be free to not have anything tying her down at all, which begs the question, Diane, why didn't you just leave? I mean, <laughs> yeah. not that I'm advocating abandoning, you know, your children, abandoning your family. Of course, I'm not going to, I don't advocate for that, but certainly above killing them off like wh- why wouldn't you just yeah leave? i'm sure i'm sure diane laid that out like this is the plan rachel helps me and then i only have one loose end that is again conjecture but she clearly was had a list and was going down it so maybe rachel was meant to live but i got to be honest you got to be wondering how stable rachel is if she believes this woman can kill her entire family, but not her. Like, as if she's going to have some kind of special attachment to that child that she didn't have to her husband and other children. I just, I, Rachel, I hate to tell you, I think you were next on the list. Well, Sarah did make a miraculous recovery from the ICU. However, she sustained permanent damage with lifelong effects, and she's currently in assisted living. I mean, just a horrible, sad situation. Rachel pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in 2015 as part of a plea deal for testifying against her mother, as you suspected. She was sentenced to two life terms with the possibility of parole after 42 and a half years. And Diane entered an Alford plea, which basically acknowledges that prosecutors had enough evidence to convict her without admitting guilt, and she was sentenced to life imprisonment without parole in 2018. So she's recently tried to redact her admission of guilt. She tried to come back and go, you know what, all that stuff I said, I that's not true. I don't know what I was thinking. I just made all that up. She says she's innocent, but well, of course. We, clearly, you know. Clearly. Well, you know, and here's one of the things about being in jail. You have nothing but time. And suddenly this lady must have thought, you know what, I think I can get out of this, even though I admitted it. My daughter confessed against me and wrote it all down in a journal. Somehow Diane still thinks she has a shot of making it out of prison, which she doesn't. But still, I really hope somebody is psychologically analyzing this lady because she is one of those rare ones. I mean, as you can see from what she already said about her family, like she'll clearly talk about the crimes. This is the type of person maybe they can get some information out of her so that maybe they can detect these people sooner. I don't know, but it's, I feel terrible. Idea. Yeah. I, t- I feel terrible for the surviving, you know, daughter. Like, yeah, there's the, still the youngest daughter that's out there somewhere. It's really sad. The whole situation is very sad, but I, I don't know. What do you do with people like this? It's uh, there's clearly something is missing. Something is not, you know, in, in some sort of personality or disorder to be able to do something like this to anyone, let alone your own children. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to understand. Yeah. I Like I said, I think that's a special type of psychological analysis that she needs to determine what's wrong with her. But uh, I, And I was going to say, you know, normally I'd say I hope people get help. Honestly, I don't think there's anything you can do to fix that. What I would hope is that whatever information we gain from her we use to help the next person because I think yeah. Diane is beyond help. 
As a new nurse, there is so much to learn. When I first graduated, I remember how scared I was. I just couldn't believe the amount of responsibility that was placed on my shoulders as a nurse. And I didn't have the training that I really felt was necessary to give me the best chance of having a successful first year out of orientation, which is why the nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare, it's such a great opportunity. HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program is designed to set up newly graduated nurses for success with benefits like access to company-wide clinical education programs, clear career pathways to help you reach your goals, student loan assistance and tuition reimbursement, 401k matching, and a lot more. The year-long program is the best place to build a foundation for your career. With HCA Healthcare, you'll get hands-on clinical experience while developing your critical thinking skills. Plus, you'll have support from a community of caring, experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents. For all of you upcoming and recent grads, I highly recommend checking out the Nurse Residency Program and HCA Healthcare. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare, an equal opportunity employer. Did you know that you don't have to go all across the country to be a travel nurse? You certainly can, but you don't have to. I literally took an assignment that's an hour and a half away from my house, and I love it. I can stay in a hotel room if I want, or I can drive back home. So it's the best of both worlds for me. For my next assignment, we're going to get a cabin in the mountains that's about two hours from our house, so it'll really be like a little getaway. Also, one of my really good friends is going with me so we can share expenses. You guys, even if you're just a little curious about travel nursing, go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile so you can see what kind of jobs are out there and what they pay. Go to trustedhealth.com forward slash good nurse and fill out a profile. For our good nurse story, I want to talk about two, first of all, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of the show about the march that's happening, the Nurses March for Redonda Vaught is happening in on May 13th in Nashville. And there's a lot of people, there's like, we're going on now 700 people that have literally confirmed, but in that confirmation, there are people who are like, oh, it, Facebook won't let me confirm more than one person. So there's like 50 people coming with me. Like there's literally people that, that say that. So I feel like there's going to be more like a thousand people there. And we really wanted to try to make it so that you have facilities to use, like, you know, restrooms. And the, the park doesn't have, it's just basically the front yard of this courthouse. I mean, it's beautiful. So you didn't want Woodstock. Yeah, there's not a lot to offer in the way of facilities. So we wanted to offer like, you know, the porta potties and security to help with crowd control and that sort of thing. And, and, and with the, we have to, we're getting a permit and all of that stuff. So we have two companies that stepped up to donate in order to pay for that stuff. And one of those is Mike with Simple Nursing. Simple Nursing is a company. He started this when he lost his job like years ago, he was ER nurse and he lost his job. And he, while he was looking for another job, he just started a YouTube channel. He just started doing it to educate. He loves to teach and he's really good at it. And so he started this YouTube channel like with a whiteboard. And now years later, it has grown into this huge company. And he, the videos that he does, it's the simple nursing at simplenursing.com. Unbelievable, unbelievable, the quality, what it, what it has grown into. And so for nursing students, it is absolute gold because it, it's for people who say they don't really learn like in the classroom setting, his style of teaching is just unlike anything I've seen before because it, he does really cool memory tricks, all kinds of memory, like everything you can't even, 
I don't know where he comes up with this stuff, but it's great. Like all sorts of memory tricks, animations. It's just fabulous. And their company donated a lot of money toward us being able to have the porta potties, which he thought was kind of funny. He's really funny too. So, but that's simple nursing. And then CBD Stat, who also sponsors our podcast, and your podcast as well, right? Correct. Tom? Correct. Okay, I thought so. I'm a huge CBD CB- Stat fan. Yes, we both are. They are a fabulous company. For one thing, they are so good to healthcare providers. I mean, so so good to us, and they um, sponsor our podcast. But they also donated money to help to pay for security for this so that we have security officers that are able to help with you know crowd control and just be there and keep us all safe. So I'm so thankful to CBD Stat. CBD Stat is a wonderful product. I mean, it's CBD products that is 100% THC free. And they literally, the science behind this is just fascinating because they figured out a way you know to extract it. And it's like, the most concentrated, like as far as the amount of CBD, I don't have my normal my normal talking points that I use when I'm doing a, a commercial or an ad, but I know that it's like really, really concentrated their products and they have oils, they have ointments, they have like roll-ons, they have all sorts of different things. I would say, I, I don't know Mike personally, though we did interact a little bit for the last PodCon a little bit and he was a great guy and I would have really liked to have some of the stuff he does when I was going through RN school. It would have probably been really helpful. So I do suggest him, but honestly, the CBD stat stuff I do use pretty frequently and I try and tell people is regardless if they sponsored us or not, I would talk about their product. As a matter of fact, I think I did talk about their product before they sponsored us and it truly does help me i don't want to give this false thing like you know back in the day the snake oil salesman like oh just buy it it fixes everything but i will tell you muscle and joint aches and pains and stuff like that i'm telling you it's fantastic i use it all the time and i think both people are really great but i've dealt with cbd stat personally and i cannot speak about that company enough they are just great and wonderful people like genuinely good people Plus, they make a fantastic product. Yes, they really do. They reached out to me a couple of years ago. And just ever since then, and at the time, I wasn't even familiar with CBD products. And it was it's amazing. I have plantar fasciitis. And so my feet are just like very important to me to protect them. I have to wear just certain shoes. I have to wear uh, shoes in the house all the time. I cannot walk barefoot for very long at all, or it will totally flare up. So I have to be really careful. And I was talking to one of the the nurses that actually it's the fiance of the person that I kind of deal with at the company. And she was on and she said, oh, I use it on my feet after I work. And I'm like, what? It works on your feet? I didn't even realize it. And then I started using it on my feet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this stuff, the anti-inflammatory product or, or effects that it has, I guess. I don't know. It is great stuff. And like you said, their particular company has, I want to say, the highest potency of all the stuff. So again, I don't have my notes in front of me either from you know, like when we do the commercials for them and stuff. So when I do stuff like this, I just try and focus on the me. I use a muscle roll-ons, the warming salve, and the calming cream pretty frequently and 100% know that they help me. And I'm not a little guy. So, you know, what I'm saying is my body's under a lot of stress. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. You know, my joints take a lot of beatings. And so to be able to have a product that I can actually put on and trust and know that it's going to help is a wonderful thing. And I really do suggest it. 
And it's wonderful too that it is 100% THC free because we don't have to worry about, oh, some of those CBD products do have a little trace of THC and you have to worry that what if you were taking the product like the oils and then it you had to get drug tested and, it, and they, they detected the THC. Like I, I would worry about that. So you don't have to worry about that with their products. So that's awesome too. So two wonderful, wonderful companies that and Mike has been on our prod our of simple nursing. He's been on our, my podcast several times. He's a wonderful person, just him as a person. But I'm telling you, his company, Simple Nursing. If you're a nursing student, and I want to say that they're working on some maybe some certification courses too, like to help getting certificate. I think that may be in the future. But nursing students, this is where you want to go. I'm telling you, they're always putting things on social media. Every now and then, I'll be on social media. I'll see people. They're like, where do I go to help pass the NCLEX? I'm like, oh my gosh. It, it's, it's not just to help you with the NCLEX. It, I'm talking about if you are in nursing school and you are struggling, this is, you have got to, he will help you get through nursing school. That's all I'm saying. Like if you can't, if you struggle in the classroom with the lectures and just been like, I can't, this stuff is not sinking in. You need to do go to his website, simplenursing.com and check it out because it's awesome. And they are so generous and you'll be, you know, supporting a company that supports nurses. He, the conversation that I had with him when I reached out and I was just like, hey, I don't know if you can help us at all, but good nurse, bad nurse was willing to foot the bill, whatever we were going to do. If I had to take, you know, part of my money from travel nursing, I want people to be comfortable. I don't want it to just be complete chaos. And so I was willing to do whatever, but obviously I wanted some help and I reached out to him and the conversation I had with him on the phone and through text messages, he was so just, he didn't even flinch. He was just like, what do you need? I, I, he's just amazing. Well, wonderful company. I think it speaks to him, you know, being a great guy. And like I said, I didn't have a lot of interaction with him, but just the little bit we've had from in a couple meetings and stuff, like always like talking to him. think he's a great guy. Also, I think it's really important if you are a nursing student or you're just interested in it, whatever, to have somebody that's an outside perspective, maybe that thing that you need to get that information to sink in. I used a lot of different products for both my NCLEX and then my ANCC boards when I was getting my nurse practitioner. I didn't just take one route. So if you're out there and you're struggling, this is the type of guy you want to pay attention to, look at his products and see if there's something that can help you, because that's generally what that's what it is. It's not that you can't get the information. It's just that you're not comprehending it the way say they're teaching you in your classroom, go to that outside source, let people that have gone through it with some tips and tricks, give them to you. Like, don't make this harder. Nursing school yeah, exactly. sucks enough. Don't make it harder. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there, you're trying to understand ABGs, for example, and you're just like, this is so confusing. I don't get it. And the way that they're doing it in a lecture or whatever it is in your textbook, everything that you've looked at, you're just like, it's too confusing. I don't, you can, he has just really cool tricks to be able to understand, to break things down in a way that you're like, okay, I can pass it. I can know this well enough to pass a test, but also it will stick in your mind even when you're at the bedside working because those little tricks, they stay in your brain. And then you'll be like, oh yeah, it's, you know, you'll remember, you know, your, I, I do my little tic-tac-toe thing sometimes when I'm trying to figure out ABG. I've, done, I've been known to do that before, trying to figure out, is it metabolic acidosis or, you know. That was one of the great things I found through nursing school and some of those mnemonics and tips and tricks you learn is that it not only helped me, and we'll stick with, you know, ABGs, because I used to do ICU too. So I was like, yeah, ABGs, ugh, 
stinking respiratory therapists. Why aren't they doing their job? That's what I say. But uh-huh. by the way, okay. Yeah, Another say- thing I haven't told you guys about Tom. His wife is a respiratory therapist. Megan, she's awesome. She is. And awesome. I love respiratory therapists, and Tom does <laughs> yes, too. Yes, I do. But I like to give people a hard time. So, but no. So once you learn you know, the mnemonic and some of the ins and outs, you can start applying it to other things. You're like, well, well, wait a second. I just saw this over here about metabolic acidosis, you know, for whatever. Wait, 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 wait a minute. And that was also some of the things that helped me along the way, kind of like light bulbs that turned on was once I really got to know something, I could then start applying it to those other things. And so, again, if you're out there and you're struggling, and I know Miss Tina just said this, but Please listen. Like, if you're out there and you're struggling, it first of all, you're not the only one. Everybody struggled with something. Even the people that seem to be breezing through it, they're 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 struggling with something. Let it all come together, and let the people that have been through it teach you. You know, and that's all I can keep saying is, you know, go look at his products, and I bet you're going to be really pleasantly surprised. Yes, and check out CBD Stat as well. If that's those are products that you could benefit from again that company as soon as i reached out to them they were so responsive came right back what do you need what can i do what, how can we help i mean they just didn't even hesitate so we appreciate both of them so much and just wanted to take this opportunity to thank them very much for helping out nurses everywhere helping us to go to nashville on that day and represent nurses and other healthcare professionals in and stand up for our right to be able to do our job without worrying about being arrested for making a mistake. Well, and that was the last thing I wanted to get around to was when you said something earlier, like, well, I think you said something like I was shocked, like people from all over the country. I was like, I'm not because while the case happened in Nashville and that prosecutor is in Nashville, there's other ones. And I think that, there are certain things that happen even in healthcare that it rings out. And I feel like every nurse and now I've also seen tweets now by physicians and surgeons and anesthesiologists and PAs. I think there's a lot of people that are picking up like, Hey, wait a second. And and I don't want this to get misrepresented because I actually saw this and I'm glad somebody said something. I don't feel like healthcare should be in an ivory tower. I don't feel like we should be beyond reach. I am not saying we need to be able to do whatever we want with no repercussions. I don't think anybody else that's being reasonable is saying that either. What we are saying is that we actually have methods and actions in place for when these things happen. And those mechanisms were already turning. People had already looked into this case. They had already said there was no criminal intent, but yet here we are. And so I think with, if we allow something like this to go by and nothing said, that's when you're going to start, you know, healthcare is kind of precarious. And I, I tell a lot of people that are not in healthcare, the last couple of years have sucked. I don't know how else to say it. And you throw this on top of it. I really feel like the American healthcare system is pretty fragile, way more fragile than I think a lot of people honestly understand. Even some people within healthcare, I don't think fully grasp or understand. And so when you said that, and this case happened, I think Redonda's, you know, trial and conviction and now sentencing is leaving a wake and, I'm honestly, I I say worried, like, I don't feel like, you know, healthcare is going to collapse per se, but I I really feel like 
issues are going to come out and things are going to happen. And I really think the public's going to end for a rude and shocking awakening, depending on what happens on May 13th. Yeah, I think that they are already sort of experiencing it and don't maybe realize it. I think, you know, just like when you go to a restaurant these days and you don't really expect to get great service, you're just happy that they're there to serve you and you don't really complain too much because everybody's so understaffed. Like you go to pick up a plastic spoon and, oh, we have a, a nationwide shortage of plastic spoons. Like there's nothing... that's off limits as far as the effects of COVID. And so what I think is, I don't know that people realize it, but when you go to the emergency room and you have to wait 16 hours, 24 hours in the emergency room and you were complaining of chest pain and it turns out when they finally got around to do an EKG, we're having a STEMI. I mean, this is happening. This is happening because- what they can't, what are they supposed to do? You have so many emergencies you can deal with at, at once. And people aren't understanding that this is a result of a healthcare system that was already under a lot of pressure, already really suffering and struggling with staffing issues in all levels, at all levels of the, the healthcare system, all the different types, respiratory therapists, you know, nurse practitioners, physicians, nurses, nurse techs, everybody, phlebotomists, everyone in the hospital, short-staffed everywhere before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hits, and I mean, it just depleted even worse. And it is not bouncing back. It's not bouncing back yet. I try and tell people the human body is incredibly complex. All right, We are already dealing with with something, and we'll just use ERs for an example. You're already unknown set of circumstances dealing with an unknown problem in an incredibly complex machine, right? You are already set up for a system and treatments that there are going to be mistakes. Obviously, the physicians, the nurses, the nurse practitioners, PAs, etc., are doing everything possible to limit it. That is a scenario just basically designed inherently to have mistakes. Mistakes are going to happen. And now to tell those people that, oh, by the way, even though you did everything possible in every way right, one person in that room may have done a mistake and now you're all liable for a murder. (laughs) I mean, uh, to jump to murder and you expect those people to continue to stick around, you know, and that's at the best of times. So now today in the pandemic, they're understaffed, they're overworked. You have people working one and a half shifts every shift, you know, I, and so at the best of times, you knew there was going to be mistakes. And now you're trying to tell them at the worst of times, you're going to punish them further for something that may be on their control. Now, if someone's looking at that scenario and not seeing a problem or not expecting a bad outcome, then I don't know what they're looking at. To the good part of this, though, people like you and, you know, simple nursing and CBD stat are making these movements possible. And so I'm really glad you and those companies are doing something to get the word out and let people know we're not going to just stand around and not say anything. Something has to be said. I've been following the case since she was arrested. I've talked about it several times on the podcast. I went to all of her hearings that, that were open to the public. And I've supported her the whole time and tried to keep my listeners updated as 
you know, as I was updated on, on the progress of it. And when I went to the trial and sat through the whole trial, watched the whole thing, and then I was working the day that we heard the, the verdict, I was absolutely shocked. I just couldn't believe it. And uh, it was so just, it was really disheartening and discouraging and just a kick in the gut. And I just, I had to do something. I just had to. I couldn't just not do anything. I wanted to quit my job. I honestly did. That was, I did. And I love being a nurse. So it's, if I'm feeling that way, I can't imagine that there aren't a lot of nurses out there that quit their job that day. So the first text message I got, cause I had informed my coworkers. So some, you know, some other people were also paying attention to stuff. And all of a sudden I get a text message with a screenshot, you know, Radonovat found guilty. The first actual words were a lot of cuss words and question marks. That was the first thing, actually. The second thing, literally within 45 seconds of that was a text of my wife that said, I don't want to be in healthcare anymore. Like that was literally the words out of my mouth. Now, does that mean, you know, maybe I'll calm down, you know, whatever. But I, I will tell you right now, that's the impression it left with me. And I don't feel alone. I think a lot of, again, this is not just nurses, okay, which is the backbone of healthcare anyway. So regardless if it was just nurses, that's bad enough. But it's respiratory therapy because I could tell you right now, I know several of them, they're burnout, PAs, NPs. Now it's going up to physicians and surgeons going, why would I put my license and life and liberty on risk to do this when it's already dangerous enough? Like I already had to worry about civil litigation and, you know, press gainy scores. And I got all these other things on my plate. And now you're telling me if I navigate all that at the end of the day, you might decide that since I made a mistake, that it's the same as criminal negligence and murder. And I don't think that's a, that's not something that's going to continue to happen. Why wouldn't they look at you as a provider? And, and, you know, I'll tell you a little something. My uh, close friend of of ours for years, uh, a neighbor, they're, they're an older couple. They're in their seventies. And he had, was having some, some GI issues, some stuff, complaining of some stomach problems. And he went to, see um, the doctor. They sent him to a cardiologist. They were concerned it may be cardiac. And so he went to see a cardiologist. He saw the PA and, you know, anytime there's a mistake made or something missed and there, there was a nurse practitioner or a PA, it's like, it's oh, we saw fault. the PA. Yeah, it's, it's always our fault. It's no, always our fault. What do they say? Yeah. It was the, it's like as if doctors don't make mistakes. Yeah, it never um, happened. Anyway, I digress. But so that anyway, it's, it's, it's a terrible, tragic story. And I hated it. Just one of those couples that just stayed active, stayed, you know, he would fly to his high school reunion. He had just gone to his high school reunion the year before, before in his 70s, flew down to Texas. Just so cool. And they just missed it. They said they thought it was GI, that it wasn't cardiac, and they didn't need to do the heart cath. So I know that the physician assistant that saw that saw him probably felt like the risks would outweigh the benefits of doing the heart cath. I mean, there's there are reasons. There are risks. Yeah, th- you know? those things are not simple. We are sticking wires into your heart. So, I mean, or through the vessels leading to your heart. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're going in to, to large vessels in, the, in your groin or in your wrist and, and it's running all the way up into, into your heart and then possibly, you know, doing some sort of intervention. And if it's not, if they really don't believe it's necessary, why, you know, why would you want to do that? But as it turns out, he did have a, a massive heart attack and he did pass away very soon after that. And it was awful, just 
she's just never been the same. And it's just, I hate it every time I think about it, that happening, because it probably was preventable. And that's so sad. Can you, if you go and you look through the charts, did he miss, did he miss something on an EKG? Did he miss something he should have seen? If that was the case, can we then go, oh, how did you not see? It literally said right there on the EKG, ST elevation, or it said abnormal EKG. You didn't see that it said abnormal EKG when, how many EKGs have you gotten since abnormal, I almost always say abnormal EKG. So anyway, that's what I'm saying. That the the potential is there now that this has happened for any one of us to be at risk for this. Yeah. And just to go over that situation, are they trying to say that the new standard should be every person gets a heart cath? Because that's also impossible. Like, so again, we're dealing with a situation where, and I understand what you're saying, and something, if it was missed, you know, again, we're dealing with a complex machine and it's always a, risk benefit analysis in our head when you're treating someone. I mean, I don't care if it's an ear infection and we're giving you amoxicillin. There is a risk benefit that you have to determine that this person taking this medication and getting better is worth the possible side effects of the medication. And so for someone to say, well, they just missed it. No, they did a risk. You know, they said, well, you know, this may be going on, but a heart cath is a lot more riskier than this. If it's just a stomach, because, okay, so then the flip of it is he goes, okay, he needs a heart cath. He dies during the procedure. Do you blame the heart surgeon now and say, oh, you killed him because you did the heart cath? Because you would have yeah, blamed the PA his, if he didn't. Yeah, you perfed the, Yeah, you perfed his blood vessel, and now he died from that, but there was nothing wrong. There was no blockage. There was no narrow, narrowing, and you did a procedure that wasn't even necessary, probably for the money. You know, everybody yeah. thinks, you know, well, doctors yeah, are only the, doing the, everything for the money. Yeah. Now, yeah. So all the people that are supporting this, guess what? They're going to have a real hard time when they're dying of a heart attack and there's no cardiologist to take care of them. Because if people keep, if, if this keeps up, I, I don't know that it, I don't think it's an immediate impact. Well, you would see an immediate impact, but the repercussions down the road that when 10 years from now, nobody went into cardiology, you know, so it's going to hurt Nobody goes now. into healthcare. I mean, people are listening Young people are out there listening to their parents, to their siblings, to their friends, and uh, people who are older than them, family members, who are talking about what's going on in healthcare. They're deciding what to do, what to go into. Do you really think people are going to want to go into healthcare with all of these risks? It's just, it's too much. It's just too no, much. It's, it's too much. It's just like in law enforcement, you know, there was a long time. I loved being a police officer. I did. I loved it. I loved serving my community. I loved everything about it. After certain things happened and law enforcement was viewed differently by society, I told people, I was like, I don't know that you may want to get into law enforcement. And now I feel like I'm having that same conversation when people are like, well, I'm like, well, so, but what I am hopeful of is that your voice and Mike's voice and CBD stats voice and everybody else that's supporting this March makes an impact. And even though I completely disagree with the prosecution of Redonda Vought, there is still some hope in her sentencing. And I, I hope, hope some she good comes from get it. jail time. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I hope she, so too. But hopefully she does. I hope she doesn't get prison time. Hopefully, you know, maybe some community service or, or whatever the judge is willing to do. And then, 
what we want to work on as the people who are, you know, you and I and the other people who are kind of the admins for that group is to take it further, is to go to our lawmakers in our state, in our uh, respective states and try to get them to pass legislation that would protect healthcare providers, healthcare professionals who work in direct patient care from being charged criminally for making a medical error while they're doing their job. I think there needs to be legislation in place to protect us. And Jason Zachary, my representative, my state representative uh, where I live, he is going to be working on researching what current laws are in place right now in the state of Tennessee to that are just already there that maybe he could add to or, you know, enhance, just see what's out there. I don't think there's a lot personally, there couldn't possibly be that much, but he's just looking into it. And then he's going to move forward with this to try to propose something. And I think that it's got a pretty good chance because Cameron Sexton, the speaker of the house in the state of Tennessee has already spoken out on the local news media there in Nashville saying that he didn't agree with that prosecution. He didn't agree with it at all. Good. And hopefully since Tennessee created this mess, if you guys could start patching it up, you know, maybe the rest of us could get our representatives we, to. I fully to believe that. I believe if we could make a change here, if we could pass laws here, then that will help other states to be able, for you to be able to do it in Ohio and Ben to be able to do it wherever he is. Well, it's precedent. In, it's a, Antarctica it's a, maybe. Yeah. It's this, it's the same problem that that case creates on the criminal lit- litigation issue is you can create the precedent and say, OK, well, look what this state did. And then when they try to use the political answer of, well, we can't do that. I'm like, well, so everybody else can. And then hopefully we can get some change made. So, yeah, hopefully so. Well, I guess that wraps it up for this episode of Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. Remind everybody Tom, in your fumbling way, where they can find your podcasts. Well, okay. So Just Some Podcast Media is the name of our company. We actually have several podcasts under us, but Just Some Podcast for Advanced Practitioners and our new one will continue to monitor. And I would just put those into Google. I don't know. Just Some Podcast Media or Just Some Podcast.com. I think we'll get you to the homepage. But we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We got all that stuff too. So if you Google us and you like uh, mysteries, then I think you would like we'll continue to monitor. And if you are in nursing healthcare and want some educational stuff, that's what JSP does. So either way you can find us, but I don't really, that's what Ben says. All that's that cool stuff. I don't know. I don't <laughs> say that. So he's too busy getting frostbite right now to yeah. worry about it. So <laughs> people will be emailing going, is he really down in Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he was helping, you know, Aborigines before or whatever he was doing last time. And, now he's helping orphan penguins. He's he is really just a stand up guy. He really is. And you guys know you can first of all you can email me if you want at Tina at goodnursebatters dot com. I'd love to hear from you guys. And you can find us at goodnursebatters dot com. We would love to have you as a Patreon supporter if you want to support the podcast. As soon as you go to the website at goodnursebatters dot com, you just click on the Patreon, whatever it says there, become a member. And there's some extra content on there. We are going to start putting our episodes on there, ad free. So we're going to start for for people who subscribe to our Patreon. Our episodes will be placed on there without our ads in there so you guys get that little bonus and there's some other stuff on there too and also want to remind you guys that even if you're a bad girl or a bad boy be a good nurse 